This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupwithatruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. We've got Elijah Abraham in studio. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, several different uh, topics, including why God allows natural disasters such as earthquakes. We'll give you an update on Turkey. It may not be up to the minute because it seems like that's always changing. Also, he's got a lot of information on Ukraine, what's really happening on the ground there because he's been there. He knows pastors and he knows people that live there. Um, and we're hearing some rumblings about what Russia's going to do and what they are prepping. So we'll talk about that as well. Also, the next step for apostate churches, they're debating on whether or not to remove God's gender from their common prayers and from, I guess, their doctrine and theology. No surprise. But one question we'll address in segment two today. How did we get to this point? Because this is not just in Europe. <laughs> this is not just some church in San Francisco or Vegas. These are American denominations that are debating this, and some have gone off the rails. We'll talk about that because we often discuss apostasy. But I want to remind you to go to redpillprints.com or go to standupforthetruth.com slash gear and support our friends in Canada who do all of our merch for us. We do nothing in-house. There are over two dozen items that you can get. Uh, in fact, um, we want to give Elijah a Stand Up For The Truth mug uh, before he leaves. i got to get one to, to weigh down your suitcase a little bit. But Elijah, brother, welcome back to the podcast. Well, thank you. It's always great to be here face-to-face instead of the phone. And I sometimes know. we had trouble with connections. I so know. this is great. Now yeah. you can hear my uh, incredible voice, it's, right? It's nice to hear you and see you. <laughs> Um, Thank you. Yeah, so first of all, uh, what brings you to Wisconsin again well, for this uh, trip? Yeah, thank you for asking. Uh, I had the privilege uh, to uh, be invited uh, to do some teaching. Um, on Friday, I had the privilege in, uh, to teach students at uh, Providence um, Christian Academy. Yep. A uh, beautiful building, beautiful people. I really enjoyed meeting uh, some of the students and uh, shared my testimony, and um, awesome. uh, I spoke at one of the classes that they have worldview, so did a little bit of comparison between Islam and Christianity, and uh, just shared a message from Scripture, so uh, I pray that was a blessing to them. Saturday, I did a full-day conference um, in, in, um, in the Green Bay area, <laughs> and uh, we had a great attendance. We started around 830 did not finish until 5.30, 6 o'clock. Wow. Uh, a lot of wonderful uh, questions and um, uh, interaction. Um, and uh, the topic was really um, overall uh, eschatology, mm-hmm. um, signs of uh, what we're living in, the times. Uh, also, um, heaven. What's it going to be like? What are we going to be doing? Who are we going to be meeting? <laughs> that was an exciting topic. Um, you know, you know me. Uh, sometimes when I talk, actually, most of the time I talk, I talk with my hands. You know, I'm from Middle East, so um, our favorite thing is to do is you know eat and talk with our hands. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, we're Italian, so we can relate. Yeah, yeah. I'm half Italian, half Jew, half American, half Arabic. <laughs> I got a lot of halves. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so we had a great time, and uh, I think it was an encouragement not just to me, me, te- uh, you know me teaching it, but also encouragement to the people who came that mm-hmm. uh, 
trying to make sense of the world uh, that we live in. Uh, you really have to be grounded uh, on the Word of God to uh, survive and function uh, with sanity uh, mm. in this world. Oh, and it's not going to get any better. As you know, the Bible tells us uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And lo- yesterday morning, I preached for two hours. Uh, That's it's a- it? Yeah, actually, I could have gone a little bit further, but I, you know, I, I don't want to overstay. <laughs> but it was a blessing because, uh, you know, whenever I get invited to preach uh, at this uh, fellowship, uh, they give me all the time I want until they said, let the spirit lead. Uh, when you finish, you finish, which is amazing. I will, you know, that's. That's the blessing that I have and the privilege mm-hmm. that I have uh, when I go overseas and preach in churches. Uh, they are not like Western churches, whether it be Europe or here in America, confined by the clock. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in Africa one time I went there, and of course I have my interpreter, and um, I show up, uh, hardly anybody there. The, the organ playing, there were two, three people singing and praising the Lord, and okay, and they kept coming. Uh, not until about an hour and a half later, the, the service started. They <laughs> sing another hour, hour and a half. They pray for another 45 minutes. And I'm thinking, okay, again, from coming from the United States, okay, how much time are they going to give me? So I asked the pastor before going up. Uh, he introduced me, and then I went up. Uh, I asked him, I said, how much time do I have? He said, with his thick accent, brother. We want to hear from God. <laughs> so he didn't answer your question. Though. Right. <laughs> and and I, basically, I, I preached for about three, four hours, taught the scripture and so on, and nobody left. And they were taking um, notes. And afterwards, they prayed and they start singing and dancing, you know, typical African style. But then I found out why we started so late, because everybody was walking yeah. to the church. How took, far? Anywhere from five to 15 miles. Walking. Walking. To get to church. So they do want to hear from God. Yes. And they, uh, to them, Sunday, it's a whole, holy day and a full day event. Isn't that what it should be? We sang a worship song at church yesterday. We are hungry. We are hungry for more of you. We are thirsty. Right. But are we really? I was thinking that, thinking that and, and going, am I being a hypocrite? No. In singing this because I don't feel like I've got, got that kind of hunger where I would walk 10 or 15 miles right. and want to stay somewhere for six to eight hours yeah. to pursue God. But I've got a heart checked and I got to well, check my own heart. It. Think about it. Uh, you're in the first century, uh, book of Acts time, and you're a member of the church in Ephesus. And one of the elders says, let's gather the beloved. And you got the word that it's time for gathering. And the event was, we received a letter from the Apostle Paul. And they mm. did not say, well, okay, let's just read it and move on. Let's, no, they stayed there. And it's not just, uh, oh, well, the senior citizens in one hand, the youth in one department, and the kids, no, let's have child care. Everybody was there. That's why I love family-integrated yes. churches. Yes. Because this segregation it did not help mm. us al- at all. Again, I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy. I grew up as a Muslim. All I know is what the Bible tells me. And then I start going to American churches. I said, why are you guys separating the groups? And again, they said, oh, that's that's what church is. That's what we do. So I (laughs) accepted that. I said, okay, what do I know? I came from Muslim background, so I really don't know. But the more I learned about the scripture, the more I learned that 
this has yeah initially it was uh, good intentions yeah. but it did uh, really disservice to the for God's people so even um i can imagine whether it be church in ephesus or galatia or whatever whenever the elders or the apostles show up or the elders come and te- preach and teach it's a whole day event that's why if you look at uh, acts chapter 2 uh really the the four pillars of of war, of church yeah. uh they surrendered their time uh and uh, uh obedience to the apostles teachings yep. uh prayer break and bread and yep. fellowship yeah these are the main thing and Acts it was 242 yeah so they were that that was the center yeah now you go to a typical church look look i'm from at least i listen to music my hips start moving you know that's natural to me. <laughs> Belly dancing is our second nature. <laughs> All right, you know. For those of you that just got a visual out there, yeah, yeah, uh, please don't. <laughs> but um, you go to a typical church. Uh, the praise and worship is the center of the service instead of. You mean, you mean now today? Yeah, yeah. But now it's kind of flipped. You got the praise and worship and music and singing is the center, which takes a majority of the time, 30, 40 minutes, or sometimes 45 minutes. And the Bible teaching, preaching, uh, being sacrificed, uh, they give you little sermonettes. That's if they give you expository preaching. Usually it's just topical yeah. or something make you feel good. Um, a prayer is just an announcement. Let's start. Um, and I've been in, in some... Very few churches in America, prayer is an incredible, essential um, uh, pillar of the church. When they start praying, it takes about 20, 30 minutes in, in America. Yeah. And they were praying for each other and so forth. That was really wonderful. Um, and, and the singing, uh, yeah, we sang and worshipped. But then when it came down to the, and I'm talking about here in America, okay, which is very rare, and we hear uh, the pastor or the elders start preaching, teaching, an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. And I remember, you know, when I experienced that in America, I could not believe there is still some fellowships and churches still exist in America. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we, it, it's a it's a heartbreaker because the people who are really suffering for that is uh, are the God's people in the pews. Yep. They're not being fed. They're not being equipped. Yes. They And if you are uh, illiterate biblically, that means you really don't know biblical doctrine, then you're susceptible, susceptible to a false teaching. Deception. Uh, deception. Yep. Also, you are going to be teaching error if you, if you start, uh, to say, teaching kids or youth or Sunday school class mm. because you are not equipped, not deep into that. So mm-hmm. um, the word doctrine in some Christian denominations, it seems like a cuss word. Doctrine is basically teaching. So when I say biblical doctrine, I'm saying biblical teaching. Um, so what is the purpose of learning and being master of biblical doctrine? Really, number of reasons. One, protecting me, protect me from error. Uh, it protects me from false teachers and false teaching. Uh, also, it gets me even deeper in fellowship with the Lord because you want to know God? Get in the Word. He already told us what he what he's like, what he wants to do in our life, but also he told us what the future is. But you got a lot of mystics, Christian mystics. They want to hear from God every day uh, just by listening audibly. Well, God does not do that every now and then. That doesn't mean he doesn't or can't. He's God. I'm not. But he told us everything we need to know from the Bible. So to dig deeper in the in the scripture and learn your doctrine. Mm-hmm. And also you're going to be salt and light within the church. Uh, so to keep it from error, to keep it from varying off-road so much. So... 
We have a lot of work to do in America, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but the remnant is getting smaller and smaller, unfortunately. I agree with you, and yet I will um, say from what I hear and know, the remnant is getting stronger, although they are getting smaller, but the remnant is getting stronger. And they are definitely um, raising up disciples. Um, right. One thing I wanted to ask you going back. By the way, friends, if you want to hear, we talked about this. This is very interesting. We didn't plan on going you know, in this specific direction but Friday we had Pastor Jeff Solwald on, and we talked about the early church in the book of Acts, and he, he talked about how they do prayer in their church and how some are offended when they get up and they pray for one another, they gather around and they spend time doing that. Right. But I want to ask you, Elijah, it, you've, I know you came from Iraq, Iran? Iraq. Iraq. Yeah, Baghdad. Yeah. So you came to America, you, you started, you got saved, you started studying the Bible, and you've, uh, you observed a lot of churches. And through the years now, you have probably understood church history in America. So when did we start doing, I put church in air quotes, when did we start doing church the way we've been doing it in the last, I don't know, three, four, five decades where uh, kids are sent to another room downstairs, worship has become maybe a stage and entertaining um because pastors are giving sermonettes, which make Christianettes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't equip the saints. They make, right. you know, a topical. And Bible prophecy is minimized. And so church has changed so much. Is it due to the megachurch movement? Is it a combination of things, in your opinion? Uh, again, um, I could be corrected. It's just my, my evaluation. Um, I think uh, when the Sunday school... Uh, Movement started in, in the 1800s, late 1800s. Uh, mission agencies were established. So the mission agencies, as good as it is uh, or was, and some are still good, and not mm-hmm. all of them. Um, good intention uh, to put all your uh, all the churches, put your money together, and uh, let's uh, commission some people who that's all they do. That's fine, but. I think the church did not realize, maybe they did, I really don't know, because I was not alive in the 1800s. They slowly but surely uh, gave the uh, the mantle that God has given the church to do missions directly to give it to a third party. So Mm. that started as far as mission work and evangelism. But then the Sunday school started. Uh, and that kind of uh, slowly but surely start getting into the segregation by ages. And instead of the pastor, elder, have everybody there and everybody on the same page and going through the scripture, then uh, let's uh, develop curriculums based on the age group and so forth. Yes. Um, so yeah. that continued. And then I mm. think things start changing right after the Second World War, the 50s. Um, and then the 60s came along with the challenge of the culture to the church, and the church uh, really um, did not fight back, did not stand its ground. We lost the culture war uh, back then, and then mega churches uh, start popping up. Uh, and and then, the seminaries had a little bit to do with that, absolutely. right? Because they switched from sure. the inerrancy of scriptures and doctrine to right. how to build a bigger church and do church like a business. Right, right. It's Some a business seminaries. model, yeah. Uh, and um, and then um, uh, the seeker-sensitive movement came along in late 70s uh, with Bill Hybels and Rick Warren and others like that. And that kind of b- gave birth to uh, the uh, uh, emergent church. 
Um, so then, um, with all of that within the within the quote unquote these denominations or these movements, then the authority of the scripture start being questioned and being attacked within. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, look, the Bible has been attacked from day one from outside the church. That's given, right? Uh, we Mockers. expect that. Expect that, yeah. you know, uh, anywhere from evolutionists to atheists and so forth. But to see that that Satan used that from within the yep. church, yep. where uh, I think it was like three, four years ago, there was a particular church in Tennessee in their Facebook and their website saying that the Bible is not the only authoritative and word of God, and it's not an errand. Then why do you call yourself a church then? Uh, so Well, that's what the Roman Catholics believe. They believe in tr- tradition and the catechism and the popes right. and throughout the centuries. They right. don't believe in the uh, authority and inspiration of the Bible as right. enough, final authority, word of God, and sufficient. As a, as a result, then we start having a new generation who are churchgoers uh, that uh, went to seminaries who have been taught that. So now mm. you have a new breed of uh, pastors in the last 40 years. Uh, that uh, being conditioned to do church as being taught or models, uh, the seeker-sensitive or watered-down gospel, or whatever you want to call it, uh, and the center of the service is not uh, expository preaching of the scripture, but uh, all about the feelings and emotions and all of that. Um, and then you got the prosperity gospel came along in the equation. The health These are all gospel. parallel things that yeah, were yeah. happening at the same time. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and now when I travel overseas, uh, the prosperity gospel, health and wealth gospel is global. And yeah. they are, they are the ones who carry in the banner of Christianity. Very, very weak theologically. People, when they go through a difficult time, they don't have a solid foundation to stand on. No. And it's, it's wreaking a havoc, yeah. uh, within the church. Uh, and all of that, I, when I look at how did this happen, it started in America and being exported globally. And that just breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, it was a time where America was exporting incredible missionaries. Uh, and now, uh, third world countries sending missionaries back to America. Uh, let's talk about that for a minute because I'll never forget. We were in Southern California. Rosanna and I lived out there for uh, quite a few years and we were there, uh, the year before we moved to the Midwest, 2003. I'll never forget a church, um, that we were briefly going to, um, Someone came in as a guest speaker, and he talked about how – I think he was in the missions field. He talked about how over in these third world countries – I think he said Asia, but I don't, don't quote me. He said they are sending missionaries to what they call the decadent West. Yeah. So there are missionaries – we were out in California. There are missionaries that were flying into LAX, Los Angeles International, and they were – to s- spread out throughout the state and go th- different parts of the country because America right. needed the gospel. Elijah, we, I, I believe in missionaries. I obviously I that's do too. part of our I am great one commission. Of, I am yes. one. <laughs> and you go to other, you know, countries, but we need to be evangelized in our own country. And I will say in, in, in many of our own churches. Correct. And we've, we're, we're trying to go elsewhere. Great. I'm thankful that we're supporting missionaries. But what about people in the seats of some of our churches that don't even believe the whole, the biblical worldview? People ask me, do you think that we are beyond, um, revival in America? And the answer is no. Well, that'd be putting God in a box. Right. Yeah. Absolutely not. God can do anything. But what, what ignites the revival? 
the Holy Spirit is not going to awaken anybody until the word of God being preached. And repentance as a result of okay. the, the true gospel the being preached. The conviction. Yes. Okay. So God is not going to convict anybody unless they hear the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So the, the full responsibility comes down to the man behind the pulpit. Hmm. Uh, whether it be an elder or a pastor or whoever it is, if he is not preaching the word of God faithfully, woe to that person. Because the day will come, they're going to stand before God Almighty. See, that's the problem. There is no fear of the Lord. And they're going to stand before the Lord, and he, they're going to be held ac- accountable to that. Because God is a jealous God for his sh- flock. He even challenged Peter. I, you remember? Yeah. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord. Feed my sheep. Three times. Feed them what? Not fish. The word. Equip them. Yes. So they could fight the good fight. And that is missing. Mm. So when you have... Preachers are so in tune with the culture, appeasing the culture instead of appeasing God Almighty and be faithful to preach the word. Of course, there is no revival. Hmm. And look, I pray to God that those who are listening to what I'm saying here, don't don't look at uh, listen and say, this guy is just judgmental of the church. Who does he think he is? He knows better than us. No, man. I mean, my heart is broken. Hmm. I see what true faith is. I see those who persecuted an incredibly heavily persecution and love the Lord and preaching the word. I've seen what it should look like Hmm. in America. And it's not happening. And it is not my church for me to condemn. It's God's church. He will believe me. He will put the church through fire Hmm. because he is jealous for his flock. And you got people who are in charge of his flock should not be behind the pulpit. That's right. Now, there are, pe- there are people who are so incredibly faithful. And thank God for these pastors Amen. who are faithful and they are taking so much fire, not just from the culture, but also even from within the denomination or they're in, they're within their churches. Why can't we have this? Why can't we do that? Why can't we like that church down the street? And the pastors, no, I'm here being called to preach the word. Thank God for people like that. But you got the other side, which unfortunately that's a majority, which we will be persecuted by them when the time comes. And the scripture very clear that there will be an age of apostasy and the church will keep going that direction mm-hmm. to appease uh, the culture. And we see that where you got some churches who, of course, this has been going on for a number of years, ordaining um, you know, homosexual pastors or priests. Um, uh, marrying a uh, homosexual couple uh, in the church, and now the transgender now in some uh, areas in UK and other places where they are now trying to justify it and accept it. And now people, when they listen to me, you're not loving. I love people. I love the transgender people. I love the homosexual people. But I am not here to approve or celebrate that behavior. That's the line. Not because... Yeah. I don't love them, yeah. not because the Bible tells me. Yes. And I uh, don't have the privilege or God did not give me the permission to change anything in the scripture. Unfortunately, you got pastors and denominations took the liberty on the, up on their shoulder to change what the scripture says. I'm glad what you, I'm glad you mentioned that because in Revelation, there's a severe warning right. about anyone who would add anything or take away anything from the inspired word of God from the scriptures. And yet we've got denominations that are debating on removing God's male gender 
from the scriptures and changing it to a gender-neutral God. Well, just there is no difference between that kind of change and the Chrislam movement where they came up with a Muslim-friendly Bible. Yeah. Well, let's take uh, God, uh, uh, you know, Father out of the scripture. What could go wrong? Yeah. Let's take Father out of the scripture because it offends Muslim. Uh, let's take the Son of God out of the scripture because it offends Muslim. I- I'm sorry, the Bible is offensive to those who want to stay in their sin. Whether it be a Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, yeah. or uh, atheist makes no difference. Yeah. Preach it. Let the word of God speak for itself. Let the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. do the conviction. You get out of the way. It is not my job to twist anybody's arm to get into the kingdom. Uh, our, our, our faithfulness, hopefully, that we all stand faithful before the Lord someday. He said, well done, my faithful servants, uh, is to just be faithful and preach the word as it mm-hmm. is and get out of the way. Yep. One pastor said, don't ever water down the gospel. If the truth offends, then let it offend. People have been living their whole lives in offense to God. Let them be offended for a while. Right. Because, I mean, that's how some of us came to the Lord. We got angry. Right. Like I can, you know, my wife is one example. She got angry at someone who was saying, um, well, why do you pray to Mary? And, you know, where does it say that? And just, just different things. Right. And she got angry, and then she went to the scriptures, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only mediator between God and man. So many other scriptures, and she got convicted. Yes. So sometimes people need to get offended and then maybe angry, and then they need to process if they're going to really seek the truth. Right. But we don't have enough truth, truth seekers today. Um, something I wanted to ask you, and we only have five minutes left in this segment. You brought up the prosperity gospel and how that affects people in other countries, they think, well, why is this, whatever trial they're going through, why is this happening to me or my family, a disease or, you know, financial issues when they're supposed to be wealthy and healed and blessed? And they're taught that as many people in America are. Right. So then when hard times come, and they will, if you're a human being on this planet, um, then they question God. And they're, it's a great opportunity to talk about this. I was looking at the Turkey uh, earthquake death toll has now topped 33, 35,000. Mm. And this is because of the massive earthquake last week. Um, but the Bible proclaims Jesus Christ sustains all things, holds all things together. Colossians 1, God allows the earth to reflect the consequences of sin, consequences that sin has caused creation. Talk about this, Elijah, and how some people, I know we, we're just got four minutes now. Let's just let you share your heart on people questioning God's love because of what he allows. Right, right. And that's, that's, it's a tough question to answer, uh, because, uh, suffering is part of the, uh, the sinful, the fallen nature of, uh, life and human nature and creation. Uh, bad things will happen. And unfortunately, uh, believers and non-believers will suffer such con- consequences. Like the earthquake, most likely there's a lot of believers in that yeah. number who died. Mm-hmm. Uh, did they deserve it? No. Whether no. be believers or non-believers, did they deserve it? I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't, God is God and I'm not. But we have to look at things, even with disasters like this. Uh, God will use it for good. Mm. Uh, we have to believe in that. We have to trust in that. And we can look back in history not too far of a distance of history. We could go back, let's say, 10, 15, 20 years. That's something a lot of, pe- of us can remember. We can see the consistency whenever there is a, a people group or country go through some trial, a really difficult trial. What comes to mind when ISIS and Al-Qaeda came along in the Middle East, that doesn't mean they went away, but right now 
you know, back then they were prominent on the news every mm-hmm, day mm-hmm. and they were chopping heads and burning villages and so on and killing people in the streets. It was awful. And that created thousands, if not millions of refugees from Middle East. Now, that was awful. And people ask me, how could God allow this to happen? He allowed this to happen because the heart of man is wicked. Sinful nature of man is awful. Satan uses uh, unbelievers uh, to kill other be- uh, you know, human beings, whether mm-hmm. be believers or not. Yeah. But at the same time, when they are go through this trial, being squeezed in the oven, and they find themselves, there are no home, no dad. The dad was executed in front of the mom and the kids, oh. or the brothers, and, and or the, the girls being raped in front of their dad, and all of that, all that awful stuff. And they find themselves in a refugee camp. And then that's when they start finally asking the right question. They will say, I've been a Muslim all these years, and a Muslim did this to my family. Is this what Islam is? If that's the case, I don't want to be part of it. And that's when they finally start asking the right question, is there a God mm. that cares about me? And that's when they start looking up. And that's when the Lord starts revealing himself through missionary work, humanitarian effort, and Bibles, and so forth. And we start seeing thousands of Arab Muslims come to know Christ. And we also, uh, I know we ran out of time, but I will, uh, you know, I've been in Eastern Europe. I, we ministered to uh, Ukrainian refugees. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. When we come and back. we, we yeah. saw the same thing. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, in Southeast Asia back in 2004, when there was a huge tsunami that hit Indonesia as far east and went as far west as Sri Lanka and India and other places. At least almost a million people died. Just in Indonesia, over a quarter of a million died. But as a result of that, we've seen hundreds, if not thousands, of Muslims in Indonesia got to know the Lord because of the love We're of We're going to talk more about them. that when we come back on Stand Up for the Truth with Elijah Abraham. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up for the Truth. With David Fiorazzo. Elijah Abraham is our guest. If you want to check out some past podcasts with Elijah, go to StandUpForTheTruth.com. Click on Guests. He, you're number two right now because of al- the alphabetical order. Abraham. Elijah nice. Abraham. Nice. Uh, you're number two. Uh, anyway, so click on so that. Does that mean I need to increase your tip? <laughs> your checks in the mail. There you uh, go. <laughs> so go to standupforthetruth.com and click on guests. And you, we did quite a while ago a contrast between uh, Islam and Christianity. We've done that. Right. Talk about how to evangelize to Muslims. Right. We'll probably revisit that in the near future. But we've done podcasts. They will all come up because it, it'll take you to all of the particular guests' podcasts. So churches are often filled not filled, or at least they get more people attending or checking them out after a natural disaster, after a major something happens. For example, 9-11 in America. Oh, we, yeah. We didn't know what was going on. Uh, people started going to churches. People were more open to prayer. <laughs> right. 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 And so it does affect people. But I want to just read Same this. thing with COVID. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to read what uh, Got Questions says about natural disasters. They cause millions of people to reevaluate their priorities in life. Hundreds of millions of dollars in aid is then sent to help the people who are suffering. Christian ministries have opportunities right. to be the love of Christ, to be God, to be Christ to other people, to help minister, counsel, pray, and lead people to a saving faith in Christ. That's what we forget right. in the big picture. 
bottom line. Right, absolutely. I mean, I experienced that myself. Um, well, you know, our ministry, we never done humanitarian work. Um, and then um, the Ukraine uh, situation came about in March of last year. And um, my, the pastors that I train in Moldova and Romania, they were heavily affected by it because they were overwhelmed with refugees. Mm. And they are poor pastors, poor churches. And uh, my wife and I, we just prayed like, okay, we could do something to help them. We, uh, you know, I'm not on the ground, but we could help them in the financial side of things where, because it's cheaper to buy uh, food, blankets, whatever they need over there than ship it from here. Mm. Uh, so initially we thought, okay, let's write, I never done it. Okay, let's raise $10,000. Uh, $2,000 will, uh, from our ministry, and I appealed to people in our news, uh, newsletter, and the Lord provided uh, $25,000 within two months. Wow. And um, and with that, uh, it, which is a small amount of money in comparison to all the millions of dollars being raised uh, or sh- being sent, billions of dollars, supposedly for the Ukrainian help. Yes, um, right. But um, with that uh, little amount of money, we help sustain about a 1,000 refugees. When we talk about refugees, mainly women and children, because Ukraine will not let their, the, the males to leave unless you have three children or more, or elderly males, then you can leave. So uh, we is it, took... Is that because they want them to fight in the... Correct, correct. Okay. Uh, so we took care of uh, about a 1,000 refugees for that period of time uh, with food, shelter, uh, heat, because they came in the winter. Uh, blankets, mattresses, uh, clothing, uh, even detergent, mm. but also Bibles, uh, material for the kids, you know, Bible stuff. But also we sponsored two groups of uh, uh, kids to go to summer camps, Bible summer camps, all of that for under $25,000. Wow. And uh, about a month ago, we had, uh, I had some money left, about $1,500 left uh, out of that fund. And my ministry partners in Moldova, they said, we are about to take, uh, we try and plan it to take two, uh, vans or cargo vans, uh, supplies. There are two, two orphanages and some, uh, people who are stuck in, uh, bombed out, uh, villages and cities that they have no heat, no water, no food, no medicine. Mm. Uh, uh, so what, what's the problem? Well, we are short about $1,500. I said, oh. <laughs> I said, well, hallelujah. I'm wiring the money. Huh. So. Um, but at the same time, uh, I went about a month uh, after the war started last year in April, and uh, I had the privilege in uh, sharing the word of God with these refugees. And these refugees, you talk about uh, PTSD, and uh, the kids are in mm-hmm. shock. They will not talk to anybody, and their parents is just in shock. They've seen awful stuff. And um, when uh, I shared the word of God and the hope, the blessed hope that we have in Him and the eternal. Uh, inheritance that we have and where we headed mm. finally they never heard the gospel before and we start seeing people getting saved these women getting saved and teenagers getting saved and and so true what you said earlier uh when people are squeezed and they are out of their comfort zone in a foreign country or refugee camp and they uh, and all they think all they do is some of these women they will not get out of their room they told me the only time that you could talk to them is when they are having dinner so when they're eating but when they uh, they introduced me, they said this brother and uh, his network raised the money to feed you and clothe you and do this. That's when they drop their forks and knives and they start crying and mm. they say thank you, thank you and clapping. Mm. That's not for me. They just realize that okay, there's a face with the funds and the things that's been then 
I had an audience. I earned their ears to hear. Mm. But it's interesting, as I was going to that camp, the first uh, group that I'm, uh, I shared the gospel with, I was struggling. It's like, Lord, how, what am I going to say? Uh, how can I get their attention? Uh, and I texted my wife, which is about eight hour difference. I said, pray, pray for me. I'm, I'll be there in 15 minutes. She texts me back. I'll pray. About as soon as we got into the gates of that campus and the Lord just reminded me, Hey, dummy, where did you think you came from? <laughs> I was a refugee. I experienced war. There were yeah. uh, bombs falling in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, my cousins and my relatives were coming back and pine boxes blown to pieces. Uh, I experienced war myself. So when I start talking to them, I said, I understand what you're going through because I was a refugee myself mm-hmm. and went through war. So uh, the praise the Lord that God gave me credibility with them to, for them to hear the gospel. And that's been a blessing. So as a result of that, our part of our ministry now is going to be humanitarian aid. Right. So this year we're trying to raise about $15,000 to continue with that effort. And if the Lord wants me to do other humanitarian work in different parts of the world, we'll definitely meet the need if we are able to do so. Well, let's talk about your, well, first of all, what you learned by just talking to pastors and people on the ground there in the Ukraine, because as you know, our media does not tell the truth. Right. And if, if they attempt, they will not tell the whole truth. They'll, you know, one side conveniently because they're globalists, they're socialists, they're not going to report. But they seem to, for some reason, be pro-Ukraine and pro-Vladimir Zelensky. Right. When this guy, um, man, talk about a character that uh, you shouldn't trust. But because he's a globalist, he's yeah. a big fan of um, uh, Emperor Trudeau up there in Canada, Just, right. Justin Trudeau. Right. He, uh, anyway, but the people are truly suffering, and there's churches there that are in need, and there's pastors, and then you've got issues with the military that aren't even for the their own people. Talk about the dynamics and what you can share that most people don't realize yeah. about the Ukrainian people and churches. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Uh, the ref- Let's go back to last year when I met with the refugees and listened to their stories. Um, not all of them, but majority of them said um, uh, the Ukrainian troops bombed our building. You're going to have to explain that. Yeah. Uh, Not but, Russia, but Ukrainian troops. Right, Ukrainian troops. The question is, okay, which troops? Because when you talk about Ukrainian troops, they're really kind of, you got two groups. Okay. You got the, um, uh, the Azov Brigade, uh, that's, if I think I pronounce it correctly. These are Nazis. These are brutal individuals. Uh, and that been used by the government in Ukraine. In Ukraine, and they have been uh, going after the uh, Russian ethnic Russian population of Ukraine uh, since 2014, if not beyond uh, before that. Mm. 2014, when uh, Putin finally had enough, because they were cutting off the water to these uh, regions, uh, been bombing them, and all of uh, that issues. That's why he took uh, Crimea uh, and kept. Try and put in pressure. Look, don't misunderstand. I am not pro-Putin or Russia or anything. I'm just telling you what I've been hearing mm-hmm. from the ground. So what his intention Russia was trying to do, trying to protect the ethnic Russians and carve out that region uh, for Russia. The question is why? Why would he do that? Mm. Well, I did not know this, not until recently, that apparently Ukraine, after the fall of Soviet Union. They never filed the paperwork to be independent country. So as far as Russia is concerned and as far as Ukraine is concerned, it's still part of 
whatever Russia used to be. Mm. And that's why you have a huge population of ethnic Russians in Ukraine because that never got separated. Wow. And I did not even know there is a segment or portion of Ukraine that used to belong to Poland, where there is a Polak or Polish people live in that region, quote unquote, under Ukraine. So Ukraine is really not a country, independent country, that mm. being sovereign country, as we say. So having said that, um, now, as you uh, mentioned earlier, that Russia have about 500,000 troops in Belarus with, I don't know how many tanks, to, I heard anywhere from 200 to 400 uh, tanks ready to go in into Ukraine to put an end and stop to all of this. And the reason I think for them is like the more it pr prolonged, the more chance of nuclear confrontation. Uh, NATO is being poking the bear. They want a nuclear confrontation, and NATO most likely is being run by the globalists right. because the globalists want to be – look, it's satanic, man. you got to look at it from a spiritual yes. point of view. Satan hates everything that God loves. God loves mankind that he sent his only begotten son to die for them. Mm. So Satan wants to seal and kill and destroy. He wants to kill as many humans as possible to take them to hell with him. And that's what the globalist wants to do. So is Russia going to go in? It's just a matter of time. Uh, I hope they don't do it before I get there. <laughs> now, how would that? Let's talk about that. How might that affect your upcoming trip in a in a couple of weeks? Right? Yeah, right now we kind of basically on day to day basis. Uh, March eighth, I will be going to four countries, and if Lord willing, I'll go to into Ukraine if that if it's still stable. Well, I mean stable. It's a, if we could do it. <laughs> It's not necessarily stable. Yeah, yeah. Um, stable to the way that we could uh, take some supplies in. Okay. Um, but I'm going to go to Romania first. While I'm in Romania, we'll go to Bulgaria, conduct a conference for uh, Turkish-Bulgarian uh, believers from Muslim background. Um, and I will be preaching in three churches and then come back to Romania. I'll teach at the seminary for three days and we'll conduct another three days pastor's conference for uh, – we'll – Passes from all over Romania will come, be invited. Then I go to Moldova. And while I'm there for the first time in 22 years, my wife will join me in Moldova. Wow. So that's, that's a blessing. Yeah. It's really a blessing. Um, and uh, she's going to minister to some of the ladies there, of course. And uh, I'll be teaching uh, high school. Uh, it's a Christian school as well. But also I'll be teaching at the university there, Christian University. And the ministry partners that they go into Ukraine, they told me, well, if everything goes well, we'll find out maybe the day before. <laughs> then you could ride with us into Ukraine. And when they heard about it, the guys in uh, Ukraine, they said, oh, we would love for him to come because we have 20, 25 Muslims that we'd be ministering to. Maybe he could talk to them. Wow. So there is that opportunity. Yeah. And, of course, I will take some funds from here to help with the supplies and mm -hmm. so forth. Um, and then um, after that, I'll go to Switzerland uh, in Geneva for about two days and then go back and meet my wife in uh, Romania. We'll con continue our ministry and then we'll be back April 1st. So it's going to be uh, intense uh, yeah. teaching and training and speaking, but um, uh, really the, it's the people paying the heavy price. Hmm. It's interesting. I look at it and I hear all the billions of billions of dollars going over there. But here they are. Where does the, that money go? Though? Right. I see the people. They got zero penny from for taxpayers that we send in. Uh, so it's not helping you mean, them. You mean that um, the American government is right, sending over? Right. 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 So uh, so the question is, where is the money going? Yeah. Who's spending it? 
So uh, some say, well, it's uh, through military equipment. Okay, but every time military equipment arrive to Ukraine, Russia uh, bombs it. So that's uh, you just burning dollars, basically. Yeah. But if it's going money there, okay, who's getting it? Well, it's going to be a money laundering operation. So you need to understand also part of uh, what Russia's trying to do. For 20 years, this is something we did not know about. For 20 years, Russia keep telling NATO, please don't come in our neighborhood. You keep pushing eastward. And they kept doing that. Uh, in a way, would, do you blame them? The reason for that, because I remember, I was not here, but back in the 60s, J.F. Kennedy put a blockade on Cuba because Soviet Union put missiles in Cuba. That's only 90 miles away. So why would we uh, ex- uh, you know, allow Russia to, for us, to put uh, missiles and troops in Ukraine, which is they share border with? It's just kind of, I'm trying to put my shoes in a Russian uh, boots. I would not accept that in my neighborhood. So he is trying to stop NATO from advancement, but also he wants to get rid of the uh, Nazi brigade, but also he wants to shut down all the uh, biological labs that the United States has been funding. Now, initially, the United States, look, I, everything I'm telling you is public. So it's okay. not like I have uh, a secret intel from somebody <laughs> giving me a briefing every day. I do research, and as you can find it online. Initially, the State Department and the United States government says, no, we don't have that. And then the, the proof, the more proof came out. Yeah. Yeah, we do, but only for peaceful things. Oh, of course. It's biological stuff. What are you yeah. messing with that stuff for? Mm. Um, so it, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of more uh, pieces into what's going on in Ukraine. And it's a money in London operation as well. I believe that all of the taxpayer uh, funding going to Ukraine, turning around, coming back to uh, pay our corrupt politicians in the United States and co- companies and maybe some uh, military facilities and so forth. Who knows? I'm just an average redneck from Baghdad. But, but that's <laughs> I'm trying not- to understand what's going on. But what you're saying is not so far-fetched that at least our audience would, would say, oh, come on, Elijah, that's a conspiracy theory. It could be. Because we know conspiracy theories have been proven to come true, and now they're conspiracy facts, especially in the last three years. We're talking about bioweapons. Yeah. We're talking about what China released in, yeah. in the Wuhan lab, and right. we're talking about we have labs over there. Yeah. In where was it? Ukraine, just in Ukraine. Yeah, um, but also so this is not hard to believe. <laughs> we we also, you know, from the information I read, uh, you know, people say, well, don't believe everything you read. Believe me, uh, I cross reference with all different kind of uh, sources mm-hmm. that's public. Yeah. It's not just we have biological weapons, not just in Ukraine, but what I mean, we, the United States, but we got it all over the world. So we, we, the American people need to ask our, uh, you know, representatives, whether it be Democrats or Republicans, makes no difference. What in the world are you doing messing with this stuff? Because ultimately, we're going to be affected by it. But do you really think the globalists in our nation could care less about your life and no, mine and the no, American people? No. I mean, that's, that's what they're doing. They're so, trying to destroy it so they can build it back right. better, better so, according to them. I don't read the news, uh, mainstream news. They're no longer news. They are propaganda arm of the deep state Amen. Amen. or the globalists, whatever you want to call them. Um, they uh, have yeah. no, uh, no interest in saving anybody's life. Uh, I, my information is from sources that I can trust, one, online, but also people that I meet on a regular basis in, in, mm-hmm. in our area who are uh, more informed in the national security and military operations. And not necessarily they give me classic, classified information. They help me analyze 
uh, stuff like this. But also, I talk people on the ground, the the pastors, the Ukrainian uh, refugees when I'm there, but also the pastors and the professors and the universities and seminaries that I know and have developed relationship and trust. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what I know. Does that mean I know everything is going on and behind the scene? No. Uh, but that's what I know so far uh, to be true because I've seen it with my own eyes and I trust the people that I talk to. So, Elijah, we've just got five or six minutes left, believe it or not. That went by fast. Um, livingoasis.org, friends, is Elijah's website and ministry. Um, let's come back to, in the last couple of minutes, just the American church, the culture war that we are facing. It's the, a war on truth. It is a war on God, the very character of God and creation, and as we're getting into the debate on male and female now, we've talked a lot about this through the years that we're in a Romans one time now where there is such a delusion, right, right. such a, a an abandonment of and a rejection of truth and, and God and his word, but here we are in our churches. How can Christians respond, particularly when they know, they probably know someone who has a child in the public schools that's struggling with their gender identity. What would our great grandparents say to this? What do you? They, they say, "What are you talking about? Struggling with whether you're male or female?" Right. How can we respond to this? Right. Um, I think the. Let's talk about the church first, and then I'll talk about you know the general population. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah I see. Yeah. I got five yeah, minutes. We got to do another hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the church, I think, uh, really started way back in the 50s and the 60s, especially when ca they came out with the 501c3 status to be a nonprofit, which is really one unbiblical, two unconstitutional. Yeah. And pastors accepted that because Lyndon B. Johnson went to silence the preachers who called him out on him that he's a corrupt yes. guy. Yes. So unfortunately. Unfortunately, they got stuck with that, but, uh, you know, that's a different topic. However, as a result of that, they bought into the separation church of state, which is not constitutional. Right. So they kept, they stopped talking about not just politically, but also about what the social issues are and the culture. Well, they made moral issues political. Right. Okay. So as a result of that, they've been conditioned minding my own business, I don't want to talk, and they separated, okay, uh, as a Christian, I just need to keep my Christianity in the church, do evangelism and missions, and that's it. So they divorce themselves from what the culture does. Unfortunately, look what's going on. The yes. culture now influences the church instead of the church influencing the culture. And as a result, this is what we're dealing with today. Yes. That's uh, the fruit of lack of labor of the church back in the 50s and the 60s because of their silence. So, now... That's the church issue. But also, as a Christian, I know I'm not just a, a citizen of the kingdom, but I'm so also a citizen of the United States. So the church and the general population can stop this and stand up for morality as citizens by holding our low start with the local yes, yes our local representatives whether it be the city council or uh, public school uh, meetings or whatever and it needs to be see that's the thing american citizen forgot that the power they have that's right and the power is that the citizens can come in the meeting so you are all fired you are all fired because you are not representing us. And you can vote we, them out. Uh, you vote them out and yeah. get them out. And that happened in multiple cities in yeah. the country yeah. that they fired the whole city council. They fired the whole 
the school district uh, council and they stop the CRT and other places. And with the transgender thing, you can stop this to in the, the uh, city as well as the state. And he said, if you're not going to stop this, we're going to fire everyone. You need to pass legislation that it is illegal and against the law for a hospital to perform uh, cut off breasts and genitalia or whatever it is yes. for kids. I mean, they don't even know what they're doing yet no. is being forced. And even that tells me something about the parents. What kind of mindset of the parents is just because the child said, I don't know who I am. How, where did he get that information from? From the school? You know, from Hollywood. kindergarten, from kindergarten, you yeah. got uh, transgenders, you know, reading uh, homosexual books to uh, yeah. three or four year old kids in the class. So the the citizen having incredible power, they don't even know they have. And mm -hmm. that was by design from our founding fathers, yes. fathers of this nation. It is in our hand for us to say enough is enough. And that's needs. We need to reeducate the church members as citizens, but also we need to re-educate the public that you can stop this. Yes. If you, even if you're an unbeliever, you have within your being what is right, what is wrong. Conscience. And conscience. And you like to stand, uh, you like the tradition, you like yeah. how America was and so on. And you shake your head and say, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this. Okay. Now you believe it. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Exactly. And that's something I can, that's a call to action. Not with, uh, weapons or whatever, but with your vote. Mm -hmm. You need to attend these meetings. You need to hold these guys accountable and also hold our police accountable, our FBI accountable, <laughs> all of these guys. Wow. Because we, we have the power. And unfortunately, uh, everything I'm seeing is deja vu. So that's what Saddam Hussein did. We had no freedom of speech. We had no freedom of religion. You say anything against the government or anything against social issues, you'll be put in prison. Uh, you'll be lucky to get out in about a year uh, healthy. Well, we're looking at that's looking down our noses at Saddam Hussein and what he did. Right. And now we're seeing some parallels happening building up in America right. to that communist policy and people are being censored Communism and Communism is not being taught. Socialism is yeah. not yeah. being taught. So I think yeah. that's what we experience. This is communism yeah. being, uh, being introduced and attacking the sanction yes. from within. True history is no longer taught in our government-run schools. As my friend Alex Newman says, the government brainwash camps, the indoctrination centers. Right. Right. So, friends, I'm, very strong words, but... You know, prove me wrong. You show me curriculum that they're actually teaching true American history or true world history, and then I'll say, okay, that might be in that school. <laughs> right. But overall, Elijah, it's such a blessing to have you back. I well, just, next time we need to have two-hour program, yeah, not one hour. Maybe by the time you get here next time, we'll do a two-hour show. There and, you go. Anyway, it's, you have a wonderful trip back. I know you're flying back to Texas today. Yes, sir. And then you leave early March? March 8th. I'll yeah. be uh, flying to Eastern Europe. So uh, right. I would appreciate your listeners to pray for our yeah. ministry. And my wife and I and uh, safety is going to be an interesting trip. Yeah, and I hope you can get to the into the Ukraine like you did last time. That's our prayer. Yeah. yeah. Well, God bless you for all you do. Livingoasis.org. Great to have you in God studio, bless you. my Same friend. Same here. Thank all you. All right. All right, so much, uh, guys. I, we have to just kind of sum it up sometimes, and we can't go in, in depth due to, to time, but it's just such a blessing. So we're looking at the calendar for the rest of this week. Uh, tomorrow, Elisa Childers. We've had her on once before. Can't wait to have her back. And uh, she's got another great book out we'll be talking about. Um, another gospel. We'll talk about so many different things, apologetics with her. You will hear former New Ager Mon Marsha Montenegro on Wednesday. Thursday, David Horowitz. That's right. He's got a book out. Of course, you can read about what he's done over at 
uh, Front Page Magazine. He's got a book out called Final Battle. And uh, Friday, we've got Pastor Chris Quintana, another troublemaker. Kind of bookends for the week. Anyway, God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.